Jones, episode 61 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm joined with Jerry Burris tonight. Fortunately or unfortunately, we do not have the Zustin brothers tonight because tonight is a very special episode. We are welcoming back old friends to the podcast, Jason Farky Farkas, to talk NBA basketball. Because as all of our esteemed listeners, not only in Northeast Ohio, New England, and Serbia know... We are obviously a podcast that loves all things Cleveland and all things New England. So we're going to pivot away from the NFL real quick and talk about the NBA Conference Finals and more more particularly the Eastern Conference Finals that are pitting my Boston Celtics versus your Cleveland Cavaliers, the one and the two seed, duking it out. And uh, well, obviously, I don't know if it's duking. I don't know if you can use that verb, duking. That usually means like two foes that are you know pretty closely matched. I could trading say the punches. Celtics. I could say the Celtics are dookie after their game performance. Does that work? Do, I think it's duking's not the right choice, but we, we all think of something. Okay, okay. Well, gentlemen, welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the slobber knocker, as good old JR once said back in the day of the Attitude Era of WWE. That was last night, game one. Uh, Farky, we've been talking on our text chain about how great LeBron James is, or you've been saying that, and I've been puking to myself or throwing up in my mouth a little bit. So talk to me about what happened last night before we really dive too deep into it. But how did you think last night went? Last night went, I think, as business is how the Cavs had planned it out and played it out. Coming off the long break, um, especially with this team, they, they sometimes uh, surprise us or, or don't necessarily surprise us with the way they, they come off of what should be obvious performances, but I don't think it would have been out of the question for them to have a, a lackadaisical performance last night. But fortunately, they they had their minds right, and I think they came in with an established game. Jerry, you're you're a well-known uh, Cleveland Cavaliers honky in the months of May and June. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on how last night went? Yeah, I usually dive back in right after spring break. Um, <laughs> I thought last night looked like a team that knew they were going to win that they knew this team is not going to stop them on their, their road to uh, their goal. And uh, there were times that I thought they were being downright disrespectful and how much they knew that. Um, mm. You know, take the LeBron moment when he had his back completely turned to Kelly Olenek, like looking at the crowd, like seriously, this guy's going to come out and guard me. Um, <laughs> the, the, the shit talking by Dante Jones, he w- went over to uh, – um, El, Prez. El, Prez, El Prez, because I think El Prez kind of made a fool out of himself sitting courtside. Um, well, they granted. also they also played in a uh, uh, they played on a tournament team together uh, a few years ago too, so they they do know each other actually. So I think that was part of the reason why he went over to talk to him. Okay, well, let's just say there's there's no greater um, lightning rod when it comes to NBA fandom than LeBron James, and Boston is the perfect storm place to get screamed at for. You know, 48 minutes, and they did, but it didn't really matter, and we knew it wasn't really going to matter, and um, the stat line shows it. But not only that, like just the way they all had to completely change their game plan uh, as soon as they saw that they weren't going to be able to keep up scoring with them. So it, it's hard to do that when your main center of your offense is five seven. Um, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, they essentially, they essentially perfected their game plan before it was cut off. Yes. Yeah, completely. Um, you know, if you want to, we can go into stats here. We can go into anything you want, but it looked like, I mean, when, when Farkas and I were in high school, he was on the varsity squad, and I was playing JV. And, and every time we ran at each, at each other's teams, there was no chance. Uh, 
we were getting demolished. It just it was little little brother versus big brother last night. Okay, comparing Louisville basketball to uh, to the NBA that well, that's a good start. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I mean, as a Celtics fan, I was excited for. Um, Game one, I really thought the Celtics would be able to maybe you know eke one out. Uh, they usually play pretty well at home. We saw that in the the series against the the Wizards. Uh, they struggled on the road and, and shot lights out at home. Avery Bradley really stepped up in that series. Al Horford was a difference maker. Isaiah Thomas as well uh, played well, and the Celtics just didn't show up last night. And you know I'm not going to wear my my leprechaun four leaf clover glasses and tell you that the Celtics had a chance in the series ever. I'm just pretty happy to see where this team has gone, led by Isaiah Thomas, who's 5'7 and was the last pick in the draft and has turned himself into a bona fide superstar and was just named to the second All-NBA team. So regardless of what happens this year, I think the the Boston faithful will be pretty pumped. And I will say, you know, the, the Garden fans were, they were going after LeBron. And, and Boston fans, the they quarter. will continue... Well, they will continue to, to keep on going. And once once the Celtics made a few shots towards the you know in the fourth quarter, um, the the Garden got a little live again. But yeah, in the end, the game really never was in hand. Uh, the Celtics never had a shot. But you know they played. They got to win four, so there's still a shot. You're saying there's a chance. Uh, but before we dive into the rest of the Eastern Conference Finals, I do want to touch upon the Western Conference Finals because. Obviously, the winner of this series will play the Western Conference champions, and that is the Spurs or the Warriors. As we saw in Game 1, the Spurs took a huge lead and proceeded to poop down their leg after they lost Kawhi Leonard to a sprained ankle. And in Game 2, they're missing him yet again. And right now, the Warriors are up 2-0 in that series. So, barring a miracle that Kawhi Leonard magically heals himself and is able to come back 100%, Farky, is there any shot that A, the Spurs can come back, and B, should we even spend more than five minutes on this series? I don't think we should spend too much time on it, but I'll never count Pop out. He'll he'll come up with some type of game plan that maybe will be somewhat effective next game. But the the problem is they have no fluidity. They 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 aren't they aren't using any playmakers. They have no playmakers. Uh, they don't have anyone that can create on offense. On top of that, they were missing shots. Yeah, and I think the big thing that they're really missing, too, is Tony Parker. Obviously, he's out with the thigh injury done for the season. They're missing his point guard, his leadership. Um, you're right, they don't have any playmakers anymore. LaMarcus Aldridge was supposed to be this new 2010 guy for them when they signed into the big contract in the offseason a few years ago. But he hasn't really panned out into anything. Uh, obviously, the Warriors' plan of bringing Kevin Durant with their big three to form a big four super team is, is working to perfection. And um, even, even guys like Zaza Pachulia are coming in and making a difference. Maybe not the cleanest way by taking out Kawhi Leonard, but the role players are coming in and they're stepping up for the Warriors. And, you know, all signs are pointing to yet another series of the Warriors play the Cavs in the championship. And Jerry... You know, is, do you feel the same way? Is this is this what we're headed for, Warriors Cavs? Yeah, and I I hate to say that the our some of our friends who are not real high on the NBA um, because of how predictable it is are going to be right, and it's going to be a four four sweep on both sides of the finals going into the NBA finals, um, which is going to make for arguably the the greatest finals 
we've we've seen since I don't even know um, the rubber match. The rub, it's the rubber match. I mean, when's the last rubber match? Was it was it Boston, L.A. in the eighties? Yeah, probably. Um, it's a, I mean, this is a contentious rivalry. There's there's subtle jabs thrown at at each other's teams all the time. They're constantly watching and they're kind of obsessed with each other, even though. Um, Cleveland doesn't make it seem as, as obvious. Sometimes they, they try to take the high road is what LeBron always says, but they, they know exactly what's going on. Um, they, they know what they're doing. They're watching and and likewise from the West coast. So I don't think we need to spend much more time on it. It just know that Zaza Pachulia is known (laughs) for doing this kind of crap. Um, and I love the take that pop had pop was absolutely right to call the guy out. Um, you know, kudos to him. And, and this kind of stuff needs to be called out more often, um, especially like dirty plays like Isaiah Thomas did last night when he tried to tackle LeBron James in midair. Unsuccessfully, <laughs> but unsuccessfully. But. It's like batting away a mosquito to LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. I think Luke, I think Luke hit, hit the main point, though, with, with Aldridge. He's the one guy that's going to have to score for them, and they're getting stuck with poor spacing because they don't have a guard that can create. They're stuck watching him, similar to what's happened with the Cavs and LeBron in the past, and he's not making shots. In fact, Pop called him out after the game and said he needs to be a guy that we can count on to make shots. Yeah, that's why he was brought in. They have no ball rotation. The one thing, though, that did shock me that I think Pop will definitely address going into this next game is that from the start of that game, they played soft. They didn't grab loose balls. There was a lack of effort. They were giving up a number of slip screens, back doors, and wide open threes for Golden State. It was it was basically a recipe for disaster from from the tip. And I, I think Pop will address that, but they got to come up with an answer for not having a creator or anybody that they can go to to make shots one on one. Well, I just think that too. I don't think San Antonio is a great matchup for for the the Warriors. They're just not uh, an offensive juggernaut like the Warriors are, and they can't keep up with them. They can't keep running with them. And when when Steph's on, when Durant's on, Clay, Draymond, when they're all hitting threes, there's just no way they're going to be able to keep up with them. So I just think it's, it was never a good matchup to begin with. And then when the injuries come into play, it's just it's just turned into a cluster. So, well, I, I, if, if for any of us that have played sports, just keep in mind, and we all have. Tony Parker hadn't missed a playoff game since 2001, and regardless of his age and his production, I mean, this is your quarterback. This is the guy that's going to absolutely run this offense, right. the team, and they don't have it. Right. Well, let's talk real quick about does the NBA have a problem, though, because we're on the verge of potentially the Warriors going undefeated into the finals and also potentially the Cavs going undefeated into the finals, showing us that. Are these super teams really helping the NBA? Uh, I mean, I just think that the competitive balance is so far gone, especially in the East, at least in the West. The Rockets were an offensive. They, they could explode for 130 points. The Spurs, when healthy, were a good team. But again, I'm not going to fool myself and say that the Celtics were really ever a major threat to the Cavs. And I'll be, you know. I'll kick myself in the ass if they somehow find a way to win this series, and I just really am having a hard time believing that. But, Farky, can the NBA really thrive when they have two teams that are just running through teams and going to the conference and going to the finals with really not much of a test? I guess if it's going to be a, a game game seven type series with the Cavs and the Warriors, it, it kind of makes it all worth it. But 
I don't think it's sustainable. Nick and Akron mentioned last night something, maybe you guys know the stat better than I do. I can't remember what he wrote, but like 1% or 5% basically of the NBA games this year matter or have some type of significance with the playoffs. 0.5%. Yeah, 99.5% of the games this year really are, have no bearing on the final outcome of the season. The, the, the 0.5%, the NBA Finals, is really all that matters. And and that's true. I mean, the regular season really doesn't matter. The Celtics can pat themselves on the back all they want for being the one seed in the East and having home court advantage, but the Cavs could have been the eight seed, and they, they still would have ran through every team they faced. It just it, the, Being the one seed in the East really just doesn't matter whatsoever, I don't think. When you have a team like the Cavs that are so loaded and have the best player on the planet you know, playing at, uh, at, at the highest level of his career. So it's just, you know, the NBA can be tough like that. Um, every game doesn't matter, unfortunately. And, and Farky, I think you said this last night when we were on our text chain, you know, maybe there's just too many playoff teams. Who? Why do you need eight playoff teams from each conference when it's just really the playoffs just aren't competitive whatsoever? Yeah, it's 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 really it's it's kind of a waste, I guess, at the end of the day. Other than those markets that are larger markets that do get those playoff teams in there, even though they they aren't going to make any type of impact, I, I guess there's there's some profitability or value there, but at the end of the day, I don't want to get into the weeds about people missing games, but that's going to be a problem as well with the regular season. And, you know, people can complain about LeBron and some of these other guys, but especially LeBron, for example. Yeah, he, he set out a number of different games to rest, but the games he did play, he plays such a high number of minutes that overall his minutes for the season. Yeah, I think he's averaging 43. Me, but all, all anyone sees or, or as – as the fans see, is that he misses an entire game when he comes to their arena. Right, right. Which I think that, I mean, I think in the NBA, especially the mileage that that guy has on him, he's been playing the league for, what, 13 years? Yeah. He needs to sit out a few games of the stage. I have no I have no issue with that. Um, but, hey, let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals just in general. You know, let's preview it a little bit. Obviously, game one has already happened. The Celtics are down one nothing, uh, But, even though the Celtics really struggled last night, this is not the same team that the Cavs swept in round one in the 2016 playoffs. Um, the, the, the roster is, is much different with Evan Turner gone, Jared Sollinger gone as well, that that load. And the Celtics signed Al Horford to a max deal. He's really stepped up in playoffs, was definitely getting ragged on in the Boston media because he wasn't putting up 20 and 10, which just really isn't his game. But... The big, the biggest thing that I mentioned earlier was Avery Bradley's finally healthy. He had 25 points in the first quarter, in the first half of one of the games against Washington, and really led that team to. I think he was the most valuable player in that series for the Celtics. I know Isaiah Thomas put up huge point numbers, but Avery Bradley made tons of clutch shots. He's hitting threes, and the the player that I really like coming off the bench, and I was dogging the Celtics when they took him third overall because I really wanted Buddy Heald is Jalen Brown has really turned into a pretty solid player off the bench. He's usually the second or third guy off the bench, but he's been making some really clutch shots for the Celtics so far. So, Jerry, I mean, obviously you only watch so much Celtics because you probably watched them when they play the Cavs, but the new additions, do they scare you at all as a Cavs fan? Like, Is there like even like a little inkling of, oh, my God, these guys could blow up and, and put up, you know, beat the Cavs by 10? Well, Going back to the roster in the in the 2015 series, um, comparing that to then, then this is a much more talented roster. Uh, I, I do believe, they're, and the thing is, they're much more athletic. 
they just don't have that athletic big man that can compete with a guy like Tristan Thompson in that matchup. And that really hurts them because a guy like Tristan Thompson, who's 6'10", 6'11", can play you know up and down the court, isn't lumbering. Um, and then you have LeBron, who's 6'9". They just don't have an answer for that um, physically. And so you take that and you run a guy like Kelly Olenek, it's just it's he can't defend, you know, with the spacing that the Cavs play with. Um, I will say that the Jalen Brown solution to come out and, and try to guard LeBron is he's just not he there's physically no one that could do it. But Jalen Brown's not the answer though. He is probably one of the most athletic guys. I I, I do like um, sort of the spurts he's shown in the playoffs, especially in the Washington series. But you know. The key thing is who can, who can they use to try to slow down Braun from having another game like he did last night, where he was thirty eight points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. So yeah. I, I I don't know. Do you you space him out? He's going to blow right by you. You put a small guy on him, he puts his back to the basket, and he's dominating inside. Um, and we saw that with guys like Kevin Love was doing a little bit of that inside and shooting threes. And uh, you know who are they going to match up? Though I don't understand the Marcus Smart matchup on Tristan Thompson. I think it's purely for like the enforcer role. Um, Cause physically he can't match up. Like, what did you think about that idea of like, let's get under T uh, Tristan's skin, use Marcus smart. Cause he's pretty good at it. And he was clearly doing some of those old school uh, NBA playoff tactics. Like, you know, my arms are out. I swear to God, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. And he's clearly got his hip thrust right into his crotch and uh, <laughs> trying to take out his thighs. Barky, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, well, any, to any hit, comments? To hit, I want to hit on a couple of the, the roster comments. In Horford won them the Wizard Series. I thought he was fantastic. I watched every one of those games. Everyone made a big deal about Marcus Smart. I think that's partly because of he's personally he's made a big turn in terms of being able to settle into a better role. And he was good in that series, but he isn't. He wasn't going to be the difference maker for me going into this series. The problem for Boston is. You have somebody like Horford who played so fantastic in that Wizard series, but historically he's terrible against the Cavs. So that does them no good in this series. And then you take someone like Marcus Smart, he's not going to guard LeBron. I, I agree with some of your comments on Brown. I, I think he's their best bet to guard LeBron. He's not going to stop LeBron, but he does have a little bit of confidence to him, and I, I think he likes that challenge. He's made some some comments post game about how, hey, they have me do it. I'll step up and do it for as many minutes as they ask me to, to guard him. But overall, I, I saw a comment from uh, Brad Stevens that he he may consider double-teaming LeBron. I mean, that's going to be another nightmare. They're going to double-team LeBron. We're not talking about a team like like Utah that maybe just has Gordon Hayward that's going to score. They, they've got Kyrie Irving, and they've got Kevin Love, and then they've got other people that they're left open like Kyle Korver Channing Fry, these guys are all going to knock down shots. So the Cavs, other than maybe the Warriors, are probably the worst team in the league that you could consider double-teaming someone. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's, it's really a double-edged sword. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You, you double-team LeBron, and then you leave one of the other top 50 players wide open to, to take over a game. We've seen Kevin Love take over games. We've seen Kyrie Irving, Irving take over games. Last year, we saw Channing Fry make huge shots against the, the Warriors in the finals. They, they, unfortunately, unfortunately, like most NBA teams, there's really nobody that can cover LeBron James. So you can really just only hope to only allow him to score about 30 points and, and get eight boards and six assists. And 
and that to him in this in this time frame of the season is a bad game for him. And that's just it's wishful thinking. If they're gonna double LeBron, I would I would be certain that I have Marcus Smart guarding Kyrie Irving. I think that's their best matchup for Kyrie Irving. Yeah. If they're gonna try to if they're gonna try to shut at least two of their scoring options down, right. I still that solves the problem, but I do like Marcus Smart matched up. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, he's a great scorer, prolific scorer, but the guy can't play defense whatsoever. He's he's lost on the defensive transition. So, um, yeah, it's bad. But, I mean, Jared, what else you got to say about this series? I mean, the Cavs, they they had nine days off. They came back, and they looked like they didn't miss a beat. So, apparently, all the working out that LeBron James is not having posted to oh, social Vers- media accounts. Dude, that Versamax uh, is the <laughs> fountain of youth for this team. Um I actually read a whole story about the Versamax on Cleveland.com. That's how, uh, how deep our dives into the Cavs with our Cleveland media are. They're, they're showing the – these videos are actually pretty hilarious because they bring in a DJ and then they do like three-man races to uh, a set distance that they have to climb. And mm-hmm. uh, I know way too much about this. And um, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is how boring these nine days off have been. Um, because all it is is just that, or you get the chatter of is LeBron the greatest of all time. I mean, that's that's it. That's all you hear about. Um, so, like, then you start to hear it, and the noise gets so loud that you start thinking about it, and you go, "Well, you know, is he?" And you start thinking about your your history. I was like, "Well, I had all the Michael Jordan VHS tapes, and I thought he was pretty great." Um, and I remember watching all those games and. Now, can I compare that to LeBron's? And then you start getting into the, the stats and you, you start to make a case for it. Then you have a guy like Farky who comes back and slaps you across the face with reality or, you know, somebody. And then, you know, then LeVar Ball sneaks in. So this is what nine days off does. <laughs> it, it, does it does allow for some cracks in your focus. Um, but it, I'm just glad we're playing basketball again. Jerry, well, I gotta say, that, here's the other problem about the matchup issue and and Garden LeBron and everything. One other one other comment on that is is the Cavs have made 55 percent of their uncontested threes in the playoffs. I forgot to mention that, and that is just terrifying. If I'm the Boston Celtics, yeah, yeah, that's terrifying. They, the Warriors too. Yeah, absolutely. But Jerry, to go back to to the Versa tracks, whatever the hell it's called, the Versa climber, Versa climber. Sure, I gotta say this. As much as I've dogged LeBron James in the past, and I will continue to do it because I think he's a prima donna uh, douche canoe, as you once said early on in the Never Ending Glory podcast history. Um, that's a fair. I, that's fair. I, I, yeah. I will say that even though the videos of him dancing like an um, 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 un, 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 not holy shit, an obnoxious sixteen year old to whatever hit song the DJ's playing, this team, this this Cavs team, I think is gelled far better than last year's team did obviously we had the subtweeting from lebron james about fitting out and not fitting in uh, and you're not seeing that this year it seems like this team is is finally locked in they're dialed in part of it's probably all the pressures off of them from winning the championship last year and i think that's only going to help the the Cavs because really they're a team that their biggest enemy is themselves and if they start to implode from within you know lebron starts throwing the cold shoulder at Tyron Lue or, again, throwing his fellow um, players under the bus, that's that's really how they're going to implode. And you're not seeing that this year, which I think is just absolutely huge no. for a team filled with a bunch of prima donnas on, on the team. You know, go go down the roster. All these guys have deep playoff um, caliber now. 
Um, mm-hmm. So they've all, they all have been there, and, and that speaks volumes. I mean, l- look what happened with the Warriors. How many of those? I'm sorry, with the uh, Wizards. How many of those guys have actual Game Seven um, experience? That, I mean, that's a big difference when you have when you do and when you don't. So yeah. it speaks volumes that this team is you know that focused and they know what the steps that they needed to take to get to the next uh, the next round. Yeah. I think the. I think the the worst thing for the rest of the league and, and right now the Celtics is that these guys these guys took that taste of championship last year and all continued to thrive off of that this year. So you could take J.R. Smith as a perfect example. They brought people <laughs> like Kyle Korver in. I mean, you don't hear any complaining from J.R. Smith. That guy goes in there. What, he shoot two or three shots last night? Right. He hasn't been an issue right. at all. This guy is a completely different person than what he was when he came to the Cavs. I think part of J.R. Smith doing that, honestly, is all the stuff that went on with his his premature son. I, honestly, I think that's a huge part of it. It's kind of really opened up his eyes and and made him mature a little bit, as well as the championship and and being part of the team. That's um, that that actually can't be overstated. Like I think that really has made a big impact on his focus and like where what he values his time and stuff like that. And it means if I got to take a different role, cool, let's do it. We're, we're he he went from the most selfish player in the league two or three years ago to being the number one team guy who will he'll follow LeBron to Israel if he wants to go play out there. I think he really is all in on this team concept, and and I, he's a huge fan favorite. I think Ricky Davis has has him beat for most selfish player in NBA history, though. Um, trying to give himself uh, trying to give himself a triple double by shooting on his own basket still one of my favorite moments in basketball history. Yeah, uh, I can't remember was. Was he a Cav back then, or was he a Celtic at that point? He yeah. had been a Cav. I think when he did that, he was on the Celtics. So. No, okay. he, he was a Cav. I watched that game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I stand corrected. Now, Jerry, speaking of former Cavs, Dion Waiters had some comments about this series. What, oh, what, my God. Why don't you expand on those a little bit? I, I rarely watch the ESPN debate shows, but First Take had a murderer's row of idiocy on, and it was him, <laughs> and it was um, – Donovan McNabb and they're they're talking basketball. Okay, so Dion Waiters, you know, clearly a Syracuse uh, communications uh, grad. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Communi- they're asking. They're. I mean, clearly these shows are not about fact. They're about opinion, and, and his opinion was about he's not going to give LeBron and the Cavs any credit. He's just not, which is fair. I, I understand. But they asked him if who he thought had a better bench and deeper bench. The, he believed that the Celtics did, and that's their advantage for Boston in this series, and there's no way they're going to be swept. And he thought that they were more um, athletic, athletic. He couldn't say it like several times. And then he said that he thought the X factor for the Cavs was Kelly Olenek. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you don't have to be a, a Rhodes Scholar to, to be on these shows. You don't. But I think you should know the names of the players on the other team. It's mm. not like he was trying to like talk about like Giannis Tempo or whatever his name is. He was, he was, Kelly Olynyk's a pretty easy name in, in my opinion. So yeah. it was just funny to me. Like these shows during the like you said the nine days off, it's brutal. It is brutal television. Now Farky is Dion Waiters more or less obnoxious than Lavar Ball? That's the real question. Oh, less. There's less. It's it's oh not even God. close. Lavar Ball is a runaway train right now. <laughs> he yesterday 
he told Colin Cowherd that he's charging three billion dollars to be affiliated with that garbage brand. <laughs> I mean, that was after tell. That was after telling off the the female co-host of the of the Coward Show as well, which did not go over well on all, all over media. And in the words of Mark, one of the Zustin Bros, he needs to go away, go away. <laughs> well, this Maybe. is a good. So, so we'll transition into Lavar Ball real quick because we'll talk about his son Lonzo. But before we do that, one last shot, gentlemen. Obviously, the Cavs are up one nothing now. Farky, what do you th- is it over in four? Can the Celtics get a victory here? What's what's your take? Just for for a numbers game sake, I'm going to say in five. I, I I think it'll be four, but I think it's more rational to say five. I just don't I don't find a scenario where where they can beat them. I, you could you could let Isaiah Thomas get fifty because I think that's that's perfectly reasonable on someone like Kyrie Irving if he's not playing defense well, but it's not going to matter. I mean, what's 50 when you're, when the game right. is 110, right. 150? Jerry, what are your, what's your um, sentiment? Yeah, I'm sticking with four. Game, it's, it's four. And I think they're both four. I think the East and the West are both four, and then we got to wait, what, 10 days? Something like that till the no, game one? Well, it won't be that long, will it? Will they, well, will they they've push already it back set, They've far? already set the schedule. Um, I don't know when the first day is, but it's definitely oh, okay. going to be in June. Okay, I'm going to say Celtics in seven. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I think they're I think they're going to squeak out a victory in game two at home, and it's going to be ever so close. But I think the Celtics are going to lose in five. Um, you know, the Cavs just they're too good, they're too explosive, they're playing too well, and I just really see no teams really beating them in the East right now. And it's going to be a great matchup with the Warriors. I, I think that. I think it's going to be a better matchup than last season. As as great as those final few games were, I just think that it's going to be a better game, uh, better series in this season. It's going to go to seven, I think. I don't know who's going to win. I want to see how it all shapes up. But we'll talk more about the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals and preview the NBA Finals as we get closer to them uh, and as both these series come to a close. But, Farky, we talked about this before we started recording has there ever been a number one seed that is going into the next season with a number one overall pick? Because after the Celtics won the lottery by getting Brooklyn's pick, they have the right to swap with Brooklyn again after the amazing trade Danny Ainge made a few years ago that sent Paul Pierce, Jason Terry, and Kevin Garnett to the Nets. And that trade is still reaping benefits because next season the Celtics get the Brooklyn pick again. So, And Brooklyn is showing absolutely no signs of being any sort of a – competitive team you're talking about Louisville JV I think this might be Louisville sixth grade basketball compared to the rest of the league um Celtics have the number one overall pick and followed by the number two pick with the Lakers the screams Lonzo Ball and then number three is going to the Sixers so Farky I mean we're now Boston all they're talking about is what do the Celtics do? Do they sign Isaiah Thomas to a max contract while making the draft pick this year and next year and kind of rebuild while contending? Uh, if you're Danny Ainge with the Celtics, what are you doing? Are you trying to capitalize on Isaiah Thomas now and try to trade him? Or are you going to try to re-sign the 5'10 point guard who probably won't be able to keep up his second-team All-NBA status for the next five, six years? I'm kind of split 50-50 I, I think that, that there's strong arguments both ways. I think that if you keep him, I, I think, okay, so maybe he, it's not sustainable what he did from a second-team all-league team. 
think that, especially through the course of a regular season, with how, with how lackadaisical it's played, that he's still going to be a dominant, productive player. And if that's the case, I would give up that pick, and I would get an established scorer or star, somebody else that can play with him, maybe a Gordon Hayward. I think he plays real nicely into that team. I, I like him actually better than Blake Griffin. There's just too many question marks, and he's too injury-prone. But you're talking about somebody who's 27. He's in his prime. He's hitting his stride. I, I, game, well, I think that it. I don't think you need to get somebody in the paint. Well, Gordon Hayward and Blake Griffin, you wouldn't need to use the picks to get them. I mean, they're both free agents this year, so they'll be well, free to sign for next year. With signing Isaiah Thomas, I didn't, I didn't know how that plays into what they can do financially. Well, they so yeah, they'd have to. So they get max money with Al Horford right now, and that's really the only major contract that they have on the books. Uh, if they sign Isaiah Thomas to a max deal, then I'm pretty sure they'd still have room under the cap for one more max deal, as we've seen that usually it's uh, the max deals coming three. So, you, yeah, you could bring in Gordon Hayward, but if you bring in a guy like like Fultz from Washington or Lonzo Ball, uh, does having Isaiah Thomas stunt their growth? Uh, you know, could you could you trade Isaiah Thomas for an established big guy, maybe a younger big guy that can grow with the core of Jalen Brown? Fultz or Ball and whoever they draft in 2018. Uh, I mean that that's kind of you're right. I'm I'm totally split on it as well. I, I like that they're competitive. It's just for the next three to five years, the East is LeBron's. There's just the Cavs are going to continue to to run through the East unless somebody comes out of nowhere and just turns into a, an, an All Star uh, or All Pro on on one of these fringe teams that are making the playoffs but really can't compete and. You know, so it's just it's one of those things where what do you do? Do you stay competitive or do you really try to build for you know 2020? I, I don't know, Jerry. What would you do? Making a move in the off season and trying to pick up like a guy like Hayward, um, I think their their need is more for an athletic big man. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if that that's really helpful. I have to really look at the list of, of possible free agents to come up with a guy that that fits that need, but. I know I'm not taking it at that pick, and, and his name rhymes with small. Um, that guy, I can't make it. There's not a lot of them out there. The there's not a lot of them out there. Baca's out there. You've got, um, I mean, Otto Porter's I mean, not. Man, he's a shooter. you got Baca, Paul Millsap. He's 32 years old. Um, that position is just... So scarce. You're not going to get an Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins or. No, uh, I'm not even saying that. Um, I mean, Blake Griffin obviously is the the class of it, but. Ooh. But he can't stand the, he can't stand the court. I no, would love he, to have Blake Griffin because he's going to get 20 and 10 in Boston, but he's going to play 42 games, and you know, LA is not going to try to resign him. I don't think. I think they're done with that experiment. I think. I think he is the the best free agent big on the market and he would kind of fit with your he could be a bridge guy as well as part of your long-term plan and grow up with these rookies that you're drafting now uh but you know it's it's really interesting and you know this is giving danny a ton of time to make this happen you know the celtics are really in it's funny you said paul Millsap is like the perfect boston pickup though i could just totally see him in a in a Green jersey, jeez. These are not what they need. Griffin, I, I would, I would make a move for Chris Paul. 
I would get rid of Isaiah Thomas and try to get Chris Paul. But what about a guy like Gallinari from Denver? 6'10", shoots. Like that's a, He's not a defender, he's though. Gonna, he, he's not going to get you to the next level. No. Right. He's just a role guy. I, I was flo- And listen, I don't agree with this whatsoever. I think it's a terrible idea, but at the same time, if they want to compete with the Cavs, they need another proven score. Do you bring Carmelo in? I don't want Carmelo in Boston. The guy's a cancer, and this team seems like they really get along, but he is a top 20 player when he's engaged and motivated. I mean, do you bring him in here? And on top of that, the strip clubs in Boston are terrible, so he won't be, you know flaunting around and, and going to those to, to you know be distracted by those. So that's a plus. That's, that's Just a, get that's Kevin a, Durant. Yeah, hey, he he's a free agent. He's going to be a free agent. <laughs> so Why not? So Steph, you know, make a play for that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of different ways the uh, the Celtics could go here. But, uh, gentlemen, as, as painful as it's going to be, I am still looking forward to watching the rest of the series and hearing you guys rag on me as a Celtics. Oh, I, I look blow. forward to your, your text messages. The chat is, is on fire during these games. It's really good. Yeah, well, when when I'm being when I'm having LeBron James's greatness thrown in my face, and it's just it's just it's sickening. It makes me sick to my stomach. Well, you need to uh, recognize to, it. Well, I'm I'm I, I am recognizing it when he's putting up 39 on my team and throwing his nuts in their face every time he dunks it. So it's uh yeah, it'll be tough. But gentlemen, any last thoughts as we wrap up this Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals? I guess preview slash recap slash NBA Finals preview. Is this the first pod we've had since uh, your little girl was born? I think it is. It is. It's been it a little is, while, yes. I know, but I didn't know if we got one in right before she was born. But uh, So we no. need to say a little congratulations to, to you and, and to your wife. Thank uh, you. Yes, May, May 8th. She's a week and a half early. Uh, I'm very excited. She's peed on me multiple times. She oh, Amazing. She was on her changing table and was able to pee over the changing table onto the ground, which blew my mind. Uh, Human body does amazing things. It does, it does. But uh, yeah, it's been a great, been a great blessing. She's been fantastic, a pretty easygoing baby. Uh, my wife might say differently because I just sleep through the night, and she has to wake up every hour to I'm feed saying, her. What but, are you doing? Uh, what are you doing really to help with that situation? You know, these nipples don't do much. So um, other than look good, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there's only so much I can do. But yes, thank you very much for the. Congratulations, Luke. My Thank only you. comment will be that karma is a bitch, and you would fall in that category of guys who deserve karma. Yeah, yeah. About 14 years from now, I'm sure I'll be uh, answering the door to some little mini version of me trying to take my daughter out for a date. And uh, at that moment, I, I plan on having one of my – you know, I think Mark would be perfect to to play the Will Smith role from Bad Boys 2. Um, oh, that'd I don't be know great. If you remember that. The great scene where Will Smith pretends to be just fresh out of jail uh, to, to the ludicrous looking mother effer, which is one of my favorite scenes from in cinematic history. But uh, it's well, been fun. Hopefully that'll be uh, hopefully that'll be a young chap from Westlake with a big red full grown beard at fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> ben, uh, Blau ben Burris is you know ben Blau Burris comes yet. from great genes. Uh, he's a very he'd probably be a very very mediocre tight end just like his father. But uh, oh, I would welcome it. I'd welcome it. However, she ain't moving out of New Hampshire. You got to move back to. Uh, you got to move over to New England to get a little, get a little elite like we are. So, All right. Well, when he goes to Dartmouth, and then uh, Ooh, he can, okay. he can go and stay at your place. <laughs> Perfect. Actually, have him go to like MIT. You don't want to go up to Hanover, New Hampshire. It's pretty boring up there. All the, all you can do is ski. That's about it. But, uh, gentlemen, great talk tonight. Uh, all of our listeners in Northeast Ohio. 
New England, Serbia, all over the globe. Be sure to find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. You can find Farky on Twitter at the NEG Pod CFB. Uh, once college sports gets back into the swing of things, I'm sure you'll be hearing his sweet voice over the airwaves. On Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Search for us not only there, but also on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can subscribe. You can rate us. You can share our posts. You can share our our episodes. Tell all your friends, please. Uh, we got some big things coming. Not only are we going to be talking, as I mentioned, NBA Finals, but also with summer rolling around, OTAs coming. We're going to get back into the swing of things with fantasy football in the NFL. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, Jerry, I'm sure you're you're thrilled to start scouting Pat Mahomes and uh, making him top five in your rookie rankings. At, that you can also find on Twitter at Glory Podcast, our rookie fantasy football rankings. Um, but so, how are you feeling about Pat Mahomes to the Chiefs now? You still get the little the, the the pants down over that? Well, didn't he just get robbed at gunpoint? Something like that. He did, but he, he he survived. He didn't get shot or anything. So he's obviously a survivor. Yeah. So I think that bumped him up another notch. I think he's going to be at least number four quarterback in the uh, rookie <laughs> rankings. Perfect. All right, gentlemen. Good talk. We will get back to you guys in a few days as the Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals wrap up. And, uh, yep, enjoy the night, and we'll talk soon, guys. All right, talk to you soon. Luke masterfully maneuvered past the uh, LeBron Hill conference, so that'll be for a later date. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's fine. We'll we'll talk about that later. Cool. Cool. Don't worry about it. Later, guys.